podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Fire for them, fire for them. If you're looking for that 35 bag umbrella and all damn thing there, keep it locked with this Unomics podcast. 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 Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back, people, to this Islamics Podcast. Hope you enjoyed last week's one discussing the local elections and the London mayor election specifically. Make sure you check out the YouTube Islamics Monday Morning News every Monday morning on your YouTube. Make sure you subscribe quick. Three to five news stories to get your, get your Monday started off right. By about 11.30, you should have that. So make sure you check that out. Of course, I'm on Insta. Dysonomics pod and Dysonomics and on Twitter underscore nomics check out the last few digits touchdown frackers if you like football so that's all the promotions out of the way now this week's pod I'm joined by the great Mike from or also known as MT from the Common Sense podcast a news network by millennials for millennials who it doesn't matter if you're left left leaning or right leaning conservative labor whatever they are but have been conversations and it's a very, very good platform. So he joined me this week to talk about the local election and, of course, the London mayoral election, which Sadiq Khan won, and kind of talk over what these elections represented and, of course, the results are wildly significant. We're all, we also went on to talk about Sadiq Khan, the London mayor, mayorship, and, of course, the L's that Labour took and where Labour go from here. So strap up. It's on a very good podcast, a nice 30-minute chat, Get your political knowledge up on this topic. And yeah, hope you guys enjoy. Bow. Hi, it's MXM and listen to the Dysonomics podcast because it's lit. Yo, what's good, people? Welcome back to another episode of the Dysonomics podcast. I am joined by a very special guest. This has been a long time coming. Special guest, can you reveal yourself? Kind of like Love Island and them game shows. I've actually never watched Love Island, so I have no clue how it goes. But yeah, yeah, my yeah, name's yeah. Mike. You're not missing much. You're not missing much, I'm telling you. Although, on the last podcast I had, I had uh, a guy who was from the first season of Love Island. But, oh, really? Um, yeah, re- really interesting. Yeah, take a look at it if yeah, you get time. Definitely. But anyways, my name's MT, just before I start nattering. Hmm. Um, Omni, and, you know, I'm a political commentator. Uh, I, I run a few different projects, but it's all in the realm of politics and and um and personal development and things like that so um i'm the editor-in-chief of something called the common sense network and it's a news network for millennials and by millennials uh we 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 give lots of commentary on just what's happening around the world so yeah super excited to be on this platform so where can people find um the common sense network literally just type in common sense network anywhere where, wherever you get your news, you know, tcsnetwork.co.uk uh, is obviously the website. But then if you just type in Common Sense, Common Sense Network online, you'll find the Common Sense Network. You'll find all our contributors. You'll find myself. Um, and I guess what's really interesting about what we're trying to do is rather than, you know, being left wing or right wing, we're a space for people who are left wing, who are right wing to come together and just kind of explore ideas. That's the whole point of, of our work is people exploring ideas. I hate the narrative that like, you know, black people are left wing or black people are right wing or the white people. Are, I don't care. We're all individuals. We all have interests. We're all complicated. So let's let's have a messy conversation and figure things out. 
Yeah, Wicked. Very, very great platform. I've been on a couple of times. I really enjoy the content. So so they're on YouTube, they're on Spotify, they're on SoundCloud, they're on Instagram, on Twitter. So make sure you check them out. So quick, so for my listeners, how did you get into politics? Like, what's your background? <laughs> wow. This feels like the, the, one of those, this is your life. This is <laughs> your life. Um, so I've been involved. Oddly enough, I wasn't, I didn't know I was doing politics when I was younger, but I was doing politics. So I was one of those kids who, when I was in six four, no, six one, what? No, when I was in year four, year, no, not year four. Let me get my story right. When I was in year nine, I remember being in like English. Like, so, you know, I, I went to Woolwich Poly. Do you know Woolwich Poly? No. Where, I don't, where are you from in London? Northwest London. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard someone from Northwest before. <laughs> Oh my Where's Northwest? Northwest? <laughs> no, I mean, like, what, what places? Oh, come, on, you know what I mean. come on, like, you're way too intelligent to ask you where Northwest is in London. Like, I no, like, I, I mean, I want you to do what? No, um, I'm from like Edgware, so that's literally the top of the Northern Line. So that's where I've lived yeah. for majority of my life. But I did grow up in South London, I did grow up in Brixton and Peckham. Very okay. cliche. Good, good. You have to. You know, you're black, so you have to. You, yeah. know, you have to. You have to pass through these bits. Now, I, I grew up in Woolwich, so uh, Woolwich, Woolwich Arsenal. Do you know those bits? Yes, at all? yes, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. So, so, I, so I went to Woolwich Poly, boys only school, and I remember being, being in year nine, and a teacher came in and was like, "We're, we're going to start a school council. Who wants to be part of it?" And I remember, obviously, it's a boys only school, so everyone's like, "No." <laughs> so she must have stood there for like what felt like five minutes, but really it was probably a few seconds. And because no one was putting their hand up, I thought, oh, for flips, I'll do it. So I put my hand up, like, yeah, I'll be part of the school council. So we then make a school council and we're debating really important topics like, you know, what colour the boys' toilet should be. <laughs> and, and people are going crazy around the table. Black, it needs to be black, it needs to be white. Some people, people are saying all sorts of crazy colours. And I was like, no, it should be blue. You know, and everyone's like, oh, yeah, blue, yeah, blue kind of thing, right? So fast forward a few months, I'm in the toilet now, you know, obviously, you know, using the toilet i wasn't just there that's that would be weird and i look up and the wall's blue so i so it for me it was so transformative because i thought hold on a minute these people actually listen to me like the, the the time i said it should be blue they, they actually listen so that gave me my first taste of like changing stuff and making stuff happen and i just followed that so i became chair of the thing then i became member of uh, greenwich young people's council the whole borough wide council then i started then i became a member of youth parliament then i became a young mayor then i became a uk young ambassador to the european union then i started working with the cabinet office the national working group so i've just been involved in a lot of different projects and schemes and all these kind of things but i didn't really think oh politics and politician and i, and I still don't think that i'm really not interested I just like getting things done, making mm. things a bit better, and I like organising stuff, really. Okay, so you've actually got, had a quite decorated path in politics, so I deliberately said that, so people know that, yeah, we got uh, somebody who's a bit big time when it comes to politics on the podcast, like, we're moving up in the world. Okay, oh, so... Oh, please. <laughs> so <laughs> this week we had uh, a thing called the local elections, and... I quickly realized in just my, me speaking on it on my socials from my small network that people didn't seem to care as much as compared to, of course, the general <laughs> election this time, which we saw in the turnout for the London mayor election was 42%, like, which is just tragic in the grand scheme of things. So we saw resounding Labour losses 
across across the board. So in fact, no, in fact, first, if help our listeners understand what lo- these local elections are and why they're important. Yeah, local elections are important because the way to think about it is the, the local elections, so you, everyone thinks about MPs and members of parliament and they're important. You've got 650 of those and they make decisions about what happened with constituencies, You know what happens with different uh, parts of the UK that, that, are, that are cut up in that way. But obviously when it comes to lots of, uh, because of something called devolution, so devolution, devolution of power, a lot of councils, and we all know our local councils, they have a lot of power in terms of, you know, how buses run, what when bins are collected, uh, what's happening with council tax. Like, they, they have a lot of control over how we actually live our lives. The, the decisions that MPs make affect the councils, and then the decisions the councils make affect us. So, so, so where sometimes we focus on the, on the MPs, they ought to also focus on the councils because councils are actually council members will directly affect like your life day to day, so to speak. So, so that's why the council elections are important. And here we're talking about, you know, uh, uh, you can have councils that are, you know, uh, labor leaning, uh, uh, conservative leaning. And that just means whatever decisions they make on a kind of, again, on a weekly basis will affect your life and will be consistent with the their parent party, the Conservative or, or, or the Labour Party. So we had mayoral elections for, for instance, the London mayor. You had Andy Burnham um, uh, in, in Manchester, you know, with the, the Greater Manchester mayor. You had the Liverpool mayor, you know, and these mayors are basically head of the council, for want of a better term. And then you have also council members being elected as well. You had the police and crime commissioner, you know. So all these things are all the building blocks of the, the kind of more bigger uh mp and and, uh, and national elections we see okay very very well, that's awesome so that's how things why this is important and that's how it works so we had an election again thursday the 6th of may so mt what happened <laughs> because, <laughs> because <laughs> all we're seeing is just ah uh, well unless you're maybe if you're a conservative uh, supporter, maybe my sound effects. It, you probably can't relate to it because it was all it was a jolly up for you lot. But for those who maybe are Labour supporters or just supporters of general democracy, like kind of wanting to have some form of opposition and checks and balances, what did what did we see happen on Thursday? As well from Thursday onwards, because we saw results go through Friday and Saturday. Yeah. So the headline for anyone who's wondering who who can't be who's not interested in reading all the trailing through it, I will do it for you. The headline is that the Conservative Party um, basically made council gains across England, right? Um, across England, the Conservative Party made gains, which means they uh, they took control of some councils and also they increased the number of councillors they have. And councillors are basically individual people who make who make up the council. Of course, Sadiq Khan, we saw, was re-elected as London mayor, and he got, um, if I'm correct, I really should have notes, <laughs> but I think um, he, he got, got like got 55. F- yeah, um, 45. 40, 45% of the first preference and then 55 of the second. Yeah, so so, so he got, he got I think, 55.2% of the vote. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a Labour also won some mayoral elections in Cambridgeshire, in Greater Manchester with Andy Burnham, like I said, in Liverpool and, and the West of England. But the Conservative Party made significant gains when it came, comes to councils. So again, those building blocks, um, they added 12 councils. Um, so for instance, a, a, an example might be, you know, you have like Barnet Council, you have Greenwich Council. 
And also they added an additional 239 counsellors to their overall tally, which means, you know, I mean, that's a significant shift in control. And then I guess the creme de la creme, if you like, is there was a by-election, which basically means an election for an MP, um, you know, midway through a parliament. And the Conservatives also won in Hartlepool. So, so essentially, as well as all those councillor gains and the council gains, they also won an, a, a, a new MP, which adds to Boris Johnson's overall majority. So, like, basically, away from, <laughs> apart from Sadiq Khan in London and, and Andy Burnham and, and some other kind of places where, where the mayor was, was Labour, the con- it was a conservative sweep. Mm. Like literally up or down everywhere. I've just seen the numbers coming in. Like Labour lost 301 councillors. Conservatives picked up 274. Labour lost seven councils. Conservatives picked up 12. Well, Labour lost 12. Conservatives picked up seven, sorry. It was just a clean sweep from the, from the Tories. Up and down, up and down. So I wanted to talk a bit more about London. So of course, this is, um, I'm a Londoner. A lot of my listeners are from London. Uh, why do you think we had such a poor voter turnout? So I think early information shows that voter turnout was 42%. I hope it's not the rain. <laughs> like I really do hope it's not the rain, but why do you think we had such a poor voter turnout? It's hard to know because it, it's still so soon after the election. Um, all the studies typically come out a few weeks, months, sometimes after when polling's been able to take place as to why people didn't vote. Um, oddly enough, you have to ask people <laughs> to, to through, through a poll to, t- to tell you why they didn't poll in the first place. Um, if I was to hazard a guess, I would just say it's it's probably consistent with the general kind of systemic decline in in like like voting uh, and people engaging in that kind of politics. We've seen a sustained decline. I mean, there, there has been some increases, but pretty much from like 1982 onwards, we've seen like a, a less and less people voting if you look at the general trend. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's easy for them to be like, it's because of the wider disillusion with politics that people have. <laughs> and there is a bit of that. I think COVID, to be quite frank, will be a big part of, of why people didn't vote this time around. Um, and typically when people are happy or apathetic with an incumbent, which means the person who is currently you know, sitting in the mayoral seat, seat um, voter turnout is often quite low as well. So I look at Ken Livingstone, for instance, and the fact that he won three terms, um, the, the voter turnout didn't rise. It's always It, it always falls uh, on the person who's trying to uh, mm. uh, unseat, uh, you know, a current mayor to, to mobilise lots of people to vote. And, you know, uh, uh, Sean Bailey couldn't do that, unfortunately. But th- that's for different reasons. I think the Conservatives threw him under the bus as well. They just didn't. They just didn't stand behind his campaign at all. So I actually think he did pretty well for someone who he did remarkably well for somebody who they said, "Yeah, we're not really going to fund you." We actually, we actually don't even care. Like, you, go have fun though. Like, do you know what I mean, go have a good time. And that like, he was polling at twenty eight percent, and he yeah, got twenty six percent the first round. So he yeah. he he definitely outperformed. I saw some analysts say that. Oh, it's because of like the, there was a lower turnout in the inner city working class and the people from the suburbs came out to vote. I don't know how true that is, but it was interesting to see um, how well he did, even though I don't think he was a very popular man in London or in the Conservative Party regardless. Um, random, what is, what is your thoughts on Sidi Khan? How do you feel about him? <laughs> I wasn't prepped for this. 
Um, I don't know, man. Uh, I like him as a person. Again, I've met him. Um, and he, he's a nice guy. <laughs> he's a nice guy. But I guess as mayor, I, I think London's quite complicated because, you know, you, you, yes, you have the mayor and, and, and it is, a, it is a, a position where, you know, you're controlling TFL. TFL has a massive budget. You know, you're controlling. Like, you, you do have significant control. But, but the mayor seat only shines when the parliament, uh, when, uh, when parliament is consistent with, with the, wh- sorry, when the parties that control parliament are consistent with the parties 100%. that control the London Assembly. 100%. That's when, that's when the seat really shines and you can see it for what it is. So the reason why everyone loves Boris Johnson was because David Cameron, like you had a conservative government. And so it was just, it was great. The guy was going on zip lines, waving flags. Whereas, like with 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 the Khan, one he's had to deal with the a once in a generation uh, pandemic, um, and he's and he's also having to work with a parliament where there's a thumping conservative majority, and for that reason, I think a lot of what he wants. I mean, you remember last year all the different you know fights that they were picking with each other. You know, we're going to close down TFL. We need to run bigger. And, and you're trying to get money from the government. And and so I think it's hard for me to judge him politically because of parliament. And people always go, oh, that's him pretend. That's him kind of blaming other people. I'm sorry. Like when you've got the kind of, you, you've got the kind of uh, uh, government we have and the kind of majority and mandate they have, they can just trample over him. And, and that's what they have been doing. And, he, and I think he's done well to kind of hold his own. Yeah, definitely. Like uh, we saw with the, him kind of trying to fight for um, certain legislation to put in place for Londoners to protect themselves from COVID. Like, please, like, wear masks on buses. He, he fought the government with that. And also the whole TFL debacle, how they kind of really put him in a, in a pickle with the deal that they brokered for him, even though other, other national, other regional transport um, operators got a much more favourable terms than TFL. But that's a, that's a story for the other day. So we see Sadiq can't win. Uh, we see, um, of course, Andy Burnham in Manchester wins for Labour in um, Liverpool and Wales, but obviously, in general, it was just a demolition job. <laughs> so, where do we? Where do you think the Labour Party goes from here? Like, what can the Labour Party do from here? Like, in fact, where do, where did they go wrong, <laughs> and what can they do from here? It's hard. It's hard to say, man. I think everyone's everyone's got an opinion right now about Labour because it's just like from a political science perspective. You know, when I was doing my masters, we 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 would like look at different elections and we we would put different models in place. And I studied democracy and elections philosophy, and like everything I've studied doesn't apply. (laughs) 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 If I'm honest, to this situation, because it's just bucking all the trends. I mean, when you've got when you've got the Conservative Party, who quite frankly are doing a shoddy job, um, and that's just obje- uh, that's just objectively speaking. I'm not a Labour voter, nor am I a Conservative voter, so I, I can look at these things pretty objectively. You know, when you've got you know you've got the cash for access issue, you've got Tory sleaze at an, uh, uh, at an all time high, you've got you know just 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 a, a really haphazard approach, right? That that we've seen from from the Conservative Party, you would expect at this time for an opposition party to be shining and Labour seems to be struggling. And 
I think one of the major reasons is because you've got this interesting issue that's happened. And yeah, I spoke about this before, but you know, you've got something called long long COVID, which is when after the initial um, um, uh, problems you're having with COVID have, par- have passed, some persistent issues you have are called you know long COVID. And I think the Labour Party is suffering from from long Corbyn because because Jeremy because Jeremy Corbyn came into the party. And he basically ignited the hard left and labor. Um, he really strengthened them. He bolstered them. Everyone remembers, oh, Jeremy Cole. Yeah. The people used to sing. This guy has, has, has really empowered this group of, called Momentum, who, who pretty much have labor in a, in a stranglehold. And then you've got here Starmer coming. And his thing was, I'm, I'm going to gut this group and, and make labor more palatable to the general public. But the issue is that group called Momentum and those group of hard left voters and quite frankly, socialist people who believe in socialism, it's way stronger than he thinks. And so and so he's tried to kind of uh, uh, change things and make Labour a more kind of centre left, palatable, metropolitan uh, project. Issue with that is he's done that or he sought to do to do that through lots of cosmetic changes and you know, you would call it vanity metrics, you know, all these little uh, nips and tucks here and there, you know, attempting uh, to, 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 to you know, I, I, I just remember him and Angela Rayner on their knees doing Black Lives Matter. Oh. And all these, and all, and all these kind of visual changes and you go, that's nice, but the core, the core of labor needs to be addressed because when you've got a, 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 a constituency like Hartlepool, which has been con- labor since it began, when you see conservatives making a gain in there, there's a big problem. The Labour heartlands have all crumbled and the Red Wall doesn't exist anymore. So Labour doesn't have that strong base it used to have. And I think it's because there's just confusion in the party as to what it wants to be and how to ensure it's fit for purpose and palatable for a, for a right-leaning country, because this country is right-leaning. Yeah, and so you have to understand that. I think that's one of the biggest elephants' rooms that is that we're not aware. Maybe some, maybe many people are not aware of how right leaning this country is. So the question is, how does Keir Starmer address that hard left in the Labour Party? Like, how do you address momentum? Because it's clear that you, from your political stance and what you've done in a more cosmetic way, as you've mentioned, you don't believe that is a um, a recipe to success in any general election. The country violently rejected Corbyn in 2019, and we kind of see the long, the long Corbyn as impacts as you as you've as you've mentioned. So, does he approach this head on? Like, how do you remedy this? Because it, it does seem even now it's like they he doesn't really want to address the elephant in the room. Yeah, I agree. I, I heard a statement when I was younger that said, if you're everyone's cup of tea, you're a mug. <laughs> that is quality. And, that is quality. I, I like that. I'm stealing that. I'm, I, saying, I'm, I'm finding a way to say that today in my football podcast, but hook or crook, I'm going to say that today. I'll find a flipper way. That is quality. <laughs> you know, I, it's happened to me so many times. Well, you have a, you have a phrase here. You're like, listen, whatever this conversation's about, I'm going to say the statement. <laughs> um, I say it because Jerry, uh, it, it strikes me as there's a fear in Kirstama where he, he, he wants to be everyone's cup of tea. 
And he, he ends up being a mug. He ends up being kind of this general, just unlikable, confusing, just hard to understand and pin down politician. And that's what he is right now. You know, the, the, if you look at any opinion poll, what people often say about him is, what does he actually stand for? Like, what do you stand for? Like, who are you? What is your political identity? What are you trying to do? What's your vision? You can't just say, I'm not Jeremy, I'm not Jeremy Corbyn. That's not enough. I, listen, I'm not flipping Jeremy Corbyn. <laughs> so like, so, 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 so that's just not, it's not motivating enough. That's, I, I'm not going to get out of my bed and vote for not Jeremy Corbyn, you know? So, so I just think these are some of the things he really needs to uh, uh, talk about. I think he has to address it head on. That's why I say, you either need to concede that Labour Party is a socialist project and concede that you aren't be getting any political power for a few year for a few uh, elections and just build that grassroots support and, and, and so that you prime the country to, to make that kind of more socially democratic switch. Or you you solidify that this is a centre-left party. People need to get with the programme or, or, or move on. And I do think there, there is definitely a space in this country for a centre-left party, a party that's like, that's pretty much, you know, is in the centre, but but leans left in some kind of socially democratic uh, uh, policies and stuff like that. I think, there's a, I think there's a position for that in the party, uh, sorry, in, in the country. And he just needs to decide what he wants the party to be. He needs to build a shadow cabinet that's, that's for that, strengthen the Labour leadership and move that way. Because here's why I would suggest he does that and why I think the centre-left thing is a bit more interesting these days. As I said before, when we were talking earlier, the whole class and industry perspective of looking at the country, that's done. You know, places like Manchester look very different now than they, than they looked 50 years ago. 100%. Things have changed. And I think there's a progressive patriotism that he needs to embrace a whole lot more and he needs to appeal to young, like young people in, in, in London need a reason to vote Labour other than you're young and you're poor and we'll help you. Like, it's like, yeah. bro, like, we're making money now. Like, people are making money. People, I'm not saying that everyone's, like, rich, but but the Labour Party has to think clearly about its demographic and how they're changing, how technology's changing them, you know, how, how globalization's changing them. All these things are changing the historic political cleavages we had. And I just don't think Keir Starmer is agile enough to understand this and to deal with it head on. Yeah, neither do I. He hasn't shown it yet. Um, so I think just to to kind of, I think the final question I want to get into, or the final topic I say I want to get into before we round up is what the fallout. So what's happened? So we've seen um, the deputy leader, um, Angela Rayner. Oh, what can I say? How can I forget the name of Rayner? Yeah, you said it. Angela Rayner. Yeah. Oh, right, sorry. Angela Rayner, yeah. Rayner, sorry, Rayner, Rayner. Um, so she's the deputy leader of the Labour Party. She, of a post that she was elected to be. She was also the chairman of the Labour Party and also the campaign coordinator. She has been sacked from that position, um, which is part of Keir Starmer's, what is looking like a pending reshuffle of his cabinet. So... Um, apparently she's going to be moved into a different cabinet position. Obviously she can't be sat on deputy leader. She was electrically um, voted. But um, so it's quite contrasting news coming out. So people are saying, <laughs> you told us you're going to be accountable. This is on you. And you've sat <laughs> effectively Angela. 
at the same time, people also saying that they believe that she was the source of some leaks and stuff like that. So where, what's your opinion on what we've seen with Labour and how some people such as John McDonald's come out to slam it and um, Burnham's come out to slam it. All types of people have come out to kind of defend Angela and kind of go against Keir Starmer's decision. Um, how do you stand Well, it, it's not very promising, bro. If I'm honest with you, from what I've seen from Keir Starmer, it reminds me of, there's a there's an old uh, Gordon Brown kind of gaffe. I don't know if you if you remember it from years ago, where um, after a by-election loss, I believe, he goes, um, they're interviewing him and they're like, you know, you know, what what's next? What's going to happen? And he was like, I take full responsibility for this loss. And that's why the person who's responsible was immediately uh, fired. And you go, and you go, hold on, you go, hold on. That's not how responsibility works, my guy. <laughs> like, that's, that's not how it works. So it's not very promising so far, because in a similar way, it seems like that, that political moment has been reborn here, where Kirstama, you know, is moving people around and, and redecorating the house, where you're like, but the house has a, issue with the foundation you're like yeah, yeah, let's just paint it let's just paint it a, a new coat of paint oh let's do the plumbing and you're like no the foundation it, it like has, has no has persistent issues so it's not promising i i hope that this cabinet reshuffle which is always okay after a historic loss it's always good to, to shake things up but i hope it's a it's part of a larger portfolio of changes that he's going to make um and I hope, yeah, he's not just looking for like a quick, you know, because uh, 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 he seems scared. If I'm honest with you, and I don't mean that in the kind of like, oh, scared you cut. <laughs> I mean, when I look at when I look at his speech after the loss, he seemed like he was terrified of losing his his job more mm. than I'm angry about this loss. I mean, something needs to change. Like, I, I just don't get the, the the kind of patriotism and 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 energy and passion and. And like authenticity from him. I just get a kind of like a stand-in guy. I, I've always thought he was, when he first got elected, I'll be honest in, in saying, I was like, oh, I like him, you know, dignified, you know, he's, he's got an honor from the queen he's a public prosecutor. You know, CV is tick, 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 tick. However, a part of me just feels like he's a stand-in. You know when you had those kind of interim managers? Yeah. Where, where you don't want to get too attached to them because you're like, this guy's going to go anytime. And so in a way... Maybe his job was just to stand in whilst we get ready for a real populist leader. I know that word's a dirty word these days, yeah. but, a, but a populist leader that can really take Labour into you know, kicking and screaming into the 21st century. Yeah, it it, it, it it just does seem that way. He doesn't, me and you spoke earlier on your show about the difference in branding between him and Boris Johnson. So for example, when he was articulating himself after this historic loss, you mentioned how, um, first of all, he doesn't seem very convincing. It seemed passionate, but secondly, it's in uh, it's in Parliament. Like you're, there's a bunch of is that typical political background. Whereas Boris was talking about the victory down in Hartlepool with a big blow up doll of himself, and the wind's blowing, and there's loads of people there. <laughs> like, do you see what I'm saying? So it's giving one person's giving. I'm here for the people. Vibes. Another person's here is like, I'm the I'm your prototypical politician, and. The proof is in a pudding in terms of like how it's worked out for them in the last eighteen months since Boris's resounding victory, which kind of, which spelled the end of Jamie Corbyn as leader, Labour leader. Pretty much, I think you're right. Like it's it, it, it's such a contrast. 
you know, you got one guy wind blowing in the hair, thumbs up, doing his ah ha ha Britain, Britain's back, Brexit means Brexit, whatever. And then you've got another guy who's like, who looks terrified in some random committee room in Parliament with some books behind him, um, stressing random words. And 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 it's funny because when you watch that whole interview, at the end of it, <laughs> the interviewer was like, "Yeah, let's just stop this because we're not getting anything." Like you can hear her, you can hear her under her breath, kind of being like, "Yeah, let's just end this interview." Because it's just like this is just useless. You're not coming to nobody, my guy. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Labour. I mean, we 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 just talked about the future of the Labour Party. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, and and a lot of more and more people online are are, are like are like us or me. Uh, are just are just politically homeless and just kind of waiting for some sort of not some kind of knight in shining armor. I don't think it exists, but for some sort of cogent political, you know, idea or, or some sort of political uh, uh, um, uh, prescriptions that make sense. I'm just waiting for some sort of agenda that I can get behind. Because right now, from the Labour Party and the Conservative Party, there's just nothing interesting. Whatsoever. Very, very, very different. Okay. Well, okay. Well, to round up, where can people find yourself? Like, you've been a great guest. I'm happy to finally have you on. So where people can find yourself, you spoke about where we can find some of your content so just to reiterate that and where people find yourself yeah well thanks man i i think i think it's a great platform here man and Thank yeah you. i'm doing i think i'm doing i think people do at the end of the podcast it was, it was a joy to come <laughs> yeah. um but I, I do mean it though i mean I, people can just like i'm what's my name again mike omani uh so you know just t- again type that whatever and if you're interested uh, do lots of different things in terms of you know blogging and making uh, writing newsletters, creating videos, trying to make sense of the world. I love objectivity. I love kind of you know uh, people who are in the pursuit of truth. So if anyone's out there who's interested in those things, then uh, it's my comedy CS. Um, is, is that's all my socials, and I'm more than happy to connect with people. I love connecting and 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 you know hearing different perspectives and just yeah just just on a, on this pursuit of truth and objectivity okay well thank you you've been a fantastic guest make sure you guys you check out uh my make sure you check out the common sense network subscribe to their youtube definitely uh obviously subscribe to mine and any questions hit the dysonomic hashtag or just tweet us directly and on to next week people peace and blessings Podcast Network.